Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He's my king. He's my priest. He's my savior. He's my everything. So what's your problem? I don't mean to sound mean, but you're a child of the king. You have a high priest. You have a savior. You've been saved. What is your problem? What was that problem you have again? Do you realize who you belong to? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special Christmas message. Instead of focusing on your current problems, focus on who you belong to. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he reminds you of who you are in Christ. You are a precious child of God. You have a king, a great high priest, and a savior on your side. If God is for you, who can be against you? You belong to the king of kings. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Matthew chapter 2 with his continuing study called Rejoicing with Exceedingly Great Joy. All of these gifts had great value, particularly the gold. And you have to understand that Joseph and Mary were extremely poor. We know this from when they would go to the temple and worship, Mary would only be able to give the least expensive gift as an offering there at the temple. They were very poor. Isn't that interesting? You know all these gifts, all this gold, The frankincense, the myrrhs we're going to talk about, as valuable as it was, it was God's way of providing for them, especially when they would have to flee to Egypt from Herod. You have to understand that in that day traveling was very difficult. It was very expensive, very hard, and they were provided for. This was financial provision for their journey to Egypt when they would escape Herod. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, don't get too comfortable. (laughs) Time to go. Herod wants to kill you. And you know what happened, right? Herod, demon-possessed, I believe, had all of the male boys under two years of age murdered in his efforts to kill this king of the Jews, the king of kings. Now I point this out, why? Because Christmas can be a (laughs) difficult time financially. I heard one say we we buy gifts for people we don't like with money we can't afford (laughs) and pay for it in January, if we do. And so financially during this time of year, there can be this added stress. And I find it interesting that God would provide in this way. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. He says, and my God will meet all your needs 
according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Well, this brings us to the second gift, and it's the frankincense. Frankincense is interesting, especially how it's produced. They get this frankincense by wounding, cutting a tree, and letting the bark bleed out the resin from that tree. And then they would take that, and they would dry it, and then they would burn it, and then it was so fragrant as an incense. Now, this frankincense speaks of Jesus as our high priest, which the Old Testament prophecies and types foretold of. Maybe I need to say it this way. Everything in the Old Testament points to and is a fulfillment of the person of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament. One has said that the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. It all speaks of Him. There's a fascinating account in an Old Testament book that many people probably don't read because of just the name of the book. It's the book of Numbers. How boring does that sound? Who wants to read a book about Numbers? Because that's what the book is. It's about Numbers, the numbers of the Israelites. Well, it's very interesting because when you get to about chapter 6, you have all of the numbers of the Israelites in the camp with the tabernacle at the center. And there was a 12 tribes divided into four camps. So you had a certain number of Israelites camped to the east, a certain number of Israelites camped to the west, a certain number of Israelites camped to the north, and then a certain number of Israelites camped to the south. Now that's important. Why? Why do I need to know that? Because when you get to Numbers chapter 22, one of my favorite accounts in all of the Bible, along with all the other accounts in all of the Bible, but we're introduced to this guy by the name of Balaam, and he has a donkey. And he's hired by this other guy by the name of Balak. And Balaam is a, a prophet. He can pronounce curses and blessings. And so Balak hires him to curse the Israelites, pronounce a curse on the Israelites, because they were growing in numbers, which is what the book of Numbers is about. So he, <laughs> Balaam of course accepts, and he's on his way, and he's going, here's the Israelites camped, as we're told they were camped in the numbers that they were camped. And so now he's going to pronounce this curse on the Israelites. And you know what happens, right? Well, on the way, the donkey, the donkey, I, I love this donkey. I mean, I don't know, maybe we're going to see this donkey in heaven. If we do, I'd like to meet him <laughs> and talk with him, because apparently he's a talking donkey. And he, <laughs> he tells Balaam, don't do this. He tries to stop him. And it's kind of humorous, because here he's talking to Balaam, and Balaam talks back to the donkey. <laughs> and he continues on 
and he gets to this place, and he's looking over the camp of the Israelites in all of those numbers, and he tries to pronounce a curse on them. And instead of a curse comes the most beautiful blessing upon the Israelites. He tries, he cannot. Every time he opens his mouth to pronounce a curse, only what comes out is a blessing. And Balak is not having it. He's getting infuriated. So he says, finally, let's go to a higher mountaintop, this different vantage point where you can get a better view. Maybe it's not working because you can't see the entire camp, huge camp. That was the whole point. They were growing in numbers, a threat because of their numbers. So they go to this top peak, and here he can look down now at the camp of the Israelites, and he tries again to pronounce a curse on them. And again, instead of a curse, a blessing comes out that is just, I mean, it is glorious. So the question is, why couldn't he curse them? Answer, because when you look at those numbers of the camp of the Israelites, 12 tribes, broken up into four camps, east, west, north, south, with the tabernacle, the Levites, the priestly tribe at the center. You know what you had? The cross. It was in the shape of a cross. There is therefore now, Romans 8, 1, no curse, no condemnation, no guilt for those that are in Christ Jesus. In the book of Numbers, you have a type, a picture, a scripture picture, I like to call it, of the Savior of the world, who would be born to a virgin, fulfilling the prophecies. By the way, here's another side note. We talked about this one year. It is so, it's a fascinating study if you want to do it. There's over three, in fact, I think, I looked at my archive, 365 prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of the first coming of Jesus Christ. 365. The reason I remember that number is because that's how many days there are in our uh, calendar. 365 prophecies foretelling the first coming of Jesus Christ. This one in Micah that the, isn't that interesting too, the wise men knew the prophet Micah. They knew the prophecy that he would be born in Bethlehem. And they quote that That's just one of 365 prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. You know, when the priests would be there in the tabernacle and the temple, and they would be doing the offerings, there was one offering called the wave offering. Not the wave offering, like we worship in the stadiums at a sporting event. No, this was the wave offering that the priests would take And he would go from up to down, as Jesus came, and from left to right. He would wave it in that direction. Why? In the shape of a cross. We've talked about this during the communion celebration. In the Exodus, the Israelites, that tenth plague, in order to avoid the angel of death that would take the firstborn son, interesting, the firstborn son 
would die unless you took a lamb, you inspected it for four days, which is the exact amount of time that Jesus was on trial, to make sure, ensure that it was without blemish or spot. And then if it passed the inspection, at the ninth hour you would then take and slay that lamb, slit the throat, break the body, not the bones. That's another prophecy, by the way. And the blood would come out. They would take a hyssop branch, they would dip it in the blood, and they were told to put that blood on the doorposts of their house. Now, you probably think, well, the four corners. No. Top, bottom had a basin, right and left in the shape of a cross. I'm going somewhere with this, so bear with me. So now when the angel of death came, and the angel of death came, and every firstborn male son died in Egypt, except for those that had the blood of the Lamb in the shape of a cross on the door of their house, and that angel of death passed over. Passover. That's where we get that. Everything in the Old Testament speaks to, points to, the person of Jesus Christ. And such is the case with this frankincense. It's interesting to note in Exodus 30 that only a mix of spices with pure frankincense was permitted at the altar used for worship. That's where the frankincense was used. Now this brings us to the third gift, myrrh. Interesting gift, like frankincense. Very fragrant, and it also comes from a tree, but there's a difference. And the difference is that the sap of a tree is not dried for incense, but used as oil, specifically anointing oil. And it too is also very fragrant. But Here's the thing, only after it's crushed. Prior to being crushed, it's a very bitter herb. And then when you crush it, it releases this oil, this resin, and that is so fragrant, but it first has to be crushed. Myrrh was the main ingredient in a mixture of spices used to prepare someone's body for their burial. You know what these kings were doing? In specifically giving these gifts to Jesus, they knew this king is born to die. That's what the myrrh was for. That's what it spoke to. It clearly speaks to Christ's death on the cross. Interesting account in John's Gospel, chapter 19. In verse 38 we're told later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. This is after the crucifixion. And we're told that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, and probably would not have gotten permission from Pilate to take the body. So with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away, he was accompanied by Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? Some refer to him as Nick at night. <laughs> Came to Jesus. And anyway, that's a, another, sorry. 
So Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, that's why he's called Nick at night. Nicodemus brought, listen to this, a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus's body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. So there you have it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what does this mean to me? Pastor, thank you so much for explaining to us the Jewish burial customs. Just really blesses my heart on this, you know, Christmas. Thank you for explaining frankincense and myrrh. Oh my goodness, I'll never look at frankincense and myrrh the same again. (laughs) That presupposes that you even look at frankincense and myrrh, right? Gold? Well, that's a different story. Appreciate your explanation on gold. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, and by the way, thank you for mentioning that this was God's way of providing for Joseph and Mary. They needed that gold to cover their expenses. That was their financial provision. Thank you. That, that blessed me too. Thank you very much. What's your point? Maybe you're asking, do you even have a point? Oh yes, I do. And I'm so glad you asked. Gold speaks to the birth of Jesus as our King, frankincense, the life of Jesus as our priest, and myrrh, the death of Jesus as our Savior. Wow. Maybe you've heard it said, we're a child of the King. Do you believe that? Do you live your life like that? Do you know what that means? I'm a child of the King. That entitles me. That's not a good word anymore. It's too bad, but it does entitle me as a child of the King to inherit the kingdom. He's my King. That gold, He's my King. How about the frankincense as my priest? He's my high priest. He's the one that has made atonement for me instead of me. I need a priest. And how about this last one? He's my Savior. He's my Savior because He died for me. He went to that cross, willingly took upon Himself all of my sins. He's my Savior. He's my King. He's my priest. He's my Savior. He's my everything. So what's your problem? I don't mean to sound mean, but you're a child of the King. You have a high priest. You have a Savior. You've been saved. What is your problem? What was that problem you have again? Do you realize who you belong to? If you were to ask me, And I have to be very candid when I say this, but if you were to ask me what one of the biggest struggles for us as Christians, I know in my own life, this is one of my biggest struggles. It's that of having joy in the midst of difficulty and hardship. You know, Christmas is for some a reminder of that loved one that's not here anymore. Christmas is a reminder of that son that is far away. 
that daughter, the wayward daughter, the prodigal son. Christmas is a time that reminds us of the family dynamics and the conflict and the difficulty and the the hardship. So here I'm told that these wise men rejoiced. That was the outward expression of their inward joy. They rejoiced with not just joy, great joy, and not just great joy, but exceedingly great joy. I want that. Do you want that? Let me ask you this. And I I actually asked the Lord about this earlier this week. I asked the Lord, you know, we all have a our own personal intimate relationship with the Lord. But I I talk to him sometimes very, like I'm talking to you right now. And I just said, Lord, I want to have the best Christmas this year, ever, ever. I want to have a a blessed Christmas. I want to have joy. I need some joy. (laughs) I need joy in my life because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when I don't have joy, I feel so weak. I feel so defeated. Lord, I want, to, I want to have exceedingly great joy. I want to rejoice. And by the way, for me, I have to stand up here behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do every week. And can you imagine if I got up here and said, you know, okay, let's just have exceedingly great joy. Or, or we're, we're singing, joy to the world. In other words, I want it to be real. Don't you? And please, never make synonymous joy with happiness. They're not the same. The word happiness comes from happenstance, circumstance. If it just so happens that things are going well in your life, well, then you can be happy. Remember that song years and years ago, Don't worry, be happy. I hate that song. I'm going to tell you why. No, I really do. I'm going to tell you why. Because first of all, he's not telling me how to not worry. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4 verses 6 through 8, how to not worry. You're telling me don't worry? Okay, I'll stop. I wish it were that easy. And then, and then be happy? Okay, I'm happy. Happy, happy, happy. Hey, things are going good right now. I can be happy. But see, if you're only happy when things are going well, well then you're probably not going to be happy for very long. Right? But joy is different. Joy is not contingent on, predicated on what's happening in my life. I can still have joy when the bottom falls out. The well-known Christmas story may seem like such a long time ago, but there are things that happened then that relate to things now. The world is a dark place. People are searching for that same bright star in the sky to follow. How similar are the things occurring currently where the darkness invades and people are looking for those bright, twinkly lights that dispel the darkness around them? Jesus is the light of the world, and he came to rid the world of darkness once and for all. What greater gift could you ask for? As you listened to Pastor J.D.'s message today, are there things you learned that you'd never realized before? Perhaps you've heard it before, but it struck you in a new way. 
If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us through our contact form at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Go to the About tab and click on Contact. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring some friends and family along as well. We enjoy a great time of fellowship and learn from God's Word with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. It's so encouraging to hear and know of those that this ministry has impacted. Find out more about Calvary Chapel of Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for listening to Pastor J.D.'s teaching today. And from all of us here at In Spirit and Truth Radio, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Keeping me right with the old way Holding me true